0: All right, well, we are on lesson four of our study of the unseen journey. And so far, we focused on the beginning of the journey. We've talked about uh, having a destination, knowing what that is, and then we talked about putting trust in God regarding that destination. And both of those things are things we do as we begin the journey. Today, we're gonna take our first few steps out into the middle ground where the trust that we placed in God regarding our destination will be tested. Now, testing is a given. Everyone endures tests. We are all tested, we all have to be, because there are rewards for those who endure testing. So no testing would mean no rewards, and really, who wants that? So we're all tested, and even Jesus endured testing. In Luke chapter 3, we read about the baptism of Jesus. So starting in verse 21, it says, when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also was baptized. And while he prayed, the heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him, and a voice came from heaven which said, you are my beloved son, and in you I am well pleased. So in an audible voice God speaks over Jesus he says you are my son I am pleased with you and then right after this beautiful moment we get to Luke chapter 4 and verse 1 says then Jesus being filled with the Holy Spirit returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness being tempted for 40 days by the devil and in those days he ate nothing and afterward when they had ended he was hungry All right, so get this, according to this passage, the Holy Spirit led Jesus into a temptation. The devil is the one who did the tempting, but the Holy Spirit led him there. And if we're going to endure our test the way Jesus endured his test, we are going to need to understand what a test is. All right, first of all, a test is not God tempting you. That's what the devil does. In fact, we just read that Jesus was tempted by the devil, and the Bible tells us that God doesn't tempt anyone. So the devil tempts Jesus with a phrase, and the phrase is, if you are the son of God. So he said, if you're the son of God, turn this stone into bread. If you're the son of God, then throw yourself off this high place. Two of the three temptations that Jesus faced in the book of Luke are tied to this statement if you are the son of God. Now God said that Jesus was the son of God at his baptism. But see now, it's 40 days later, and Jesus had been fasting and he was weak with hunger, and Satan hoped he could exploit that weakened condition that Jesus was physically in and get Jesus to react, to maybe question what God had said about him, to question his own identity, And he wanted to lure Jesus into trying to prove that he indeed was God's son. But what did the devil do here? He went after the word. See, he challenged what God said about Jesus, and that's what he always does. He always goes after the word. That's what he did to Eve in the Garden of Eden. When he tempted Eve to eat from the only tree in the garden she wasn't supposed to eat from, He used a phrase, he said, has God said? Did he really say that? Are you sure that that's what he said? And see, this is the same question that you and I have to answer, has God said? Did he really make you that promise? Did he really mean what he said? And see, Satan doesn't have any new tricks, he is, completely limited in what he can do on this journey. He can't snatch your destination off the end of your path. He'd love to do that, but he can't. He can't make the word of God of no effect. All he can do is get you to disbelieve that word. And that's the test Eve faced in the garden, and she failed. And that's the test Jesus faced in the wilderness, and he passed. All right, so we need to understand what the test is, so that we're not trying to pass the wrong test. All right? To us, the test is all about our circumstances. We're all wrapped up in what we can see and feel and hear. That's just the world we live in. But really, from a spiritual perspective, our circumstances are a very small part of this. You could say that our circumstances aren't the battle. They're more like the battleground. So... That's our perspective. What's Satan's perspective? He would like to use those circumstances to lure us into questioning God. He would like us to question what God said. That's his perspective of this. God's perspective is completely different. To him, those same using those same circumstances, that test in the middle, is not to see if you can put up with that undesirable stuff, those circumstances, if you can endure some sickness or some poverty or some hardship in your life. No, the test is to see if you will continue to believe the promise that was spoken at the beginning when you're in the middle and that promise is being challenged by your enemy. All right, that's the test. Testing according to Webster's Dictionary means trying for proof Proving by a standard or by experiment. All right, so a test is an experiment. A test is an opportunity for you to provide proof that you believe God. You could say the promise that God gives you, that's the standard that we just read that testing is proving by a standard. Well, the standard is the promise. The test is do your beliefs meet that standard? So you want them to be the same. You want your beliefs to be the same as the promise. All right, let's look at Joseph for a great example of this. Now, if you don't know the story of Joseph, you can read about him in Genesis, starting with, verse, or with chapter 37. But for now, let me just say this about Joseph. God made him some amazing promises. And then what followed those promises was 13 years of hardship he's sold into slavery, he's put into prison for a crime he didn't commit. It just went from bad to worse for Joseph. But let's read Psalm 105, verses 17 through 19. This was written about Joseph. It says, he sent a man before them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. They hurt his feet with fetters. He was laid in irons. Until the time that his word came to pass, the word of the Lord tested him. Now that last sentence there is verse 19 and in that sentence the English word word is used twice, only it isn't the same word in the Hebrew. So in that first phrase, until the time that his word came to pass, word refers to the spoken word. This is a decree, in this case a decree that was spoken over Joseph. Then the verse goes on to say that until that decree came to pass, the word of the Lord tested him in that phrase word refers to the literal word of god all right so we could read this verse this way until the time that the promises decreed over joseph came to pass god's word tested him and the new living translation sounds a lot like that it says until the time came to fulfill his dreams the lord tested joseph's character So God tested Joseph's character, how? By measuring his beliefs against the promises of God. So when Joseph found himself in a set of circumstances that looked nothing like what he was promised, the test was this, okay Joseph, here are your circumstances, here's what I promised you, choose. Which one do you believe? Do you see the test isn't the trial itself, the test is the answer to the question, has God said? See, so there's only one question on this test. Now, even though there's, the question is the same for all of us when we're tested, our tests themselves look very different. See, so your end isn't like mine, your, your promise isn't like mine, your personality isn't like mine, so your test won't be like mine. So we can't compare the way God tests us to Uh, the way others are tested, because we have to trust that God knows what he's doing. We're not like other people. So the first thing we need to understand is that God knows when to test us. And there's an example of this right in our Exodus story. So looking at Exodus chapter 13, it says when Pharaoh finally let the people go, God did not lead them along the main road that runs through the Philistine territory, even though that was the shortest route to the promised land. God said, If the people are faced with a battle, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led them in a roundabout way through the wilderness toward the Red Sea. Thus the Israelites left Egypt like an army ready for battle. All right, so here are the Israelites. They just left Egypt. They hadn't even gotten to the Red Sea yet, and already there's an enemy in their path. And they had lived 400 years as slaves. They had a slave mentality. It had been handed down from generation to generation. They were not yet prepared for a battle. Now God knew this, so he steered them away from the enemy. And one day, he, they, they would be ready for such battles and they would fight them. But right now, at this point, a fight would have meant a defeat. And not because God wasn't willing or able to deliver them, but because they would have run. What, do we, what happens when we become afraid? We run. All right, so they were not ready yet for this battle because you'll run when you're in fear, even if you've got God on your side, even if you've got a guaranteed victory. So the Holy Spirit will lead you around conflicts if you're not ready, if you're not equipped to win them. So what does that mean then? If you find yourself in the midst of a battle right now, guess what? The Holy Spirit believes you can win it. He, he believes that you have everything it takes to pass this test. Otherwise, he would have steered you around it because the Lord knows when to test us. Now, just keep in mind, though, that just because you can win a battle, that doesn't mean you automatically will. You still have to choose to believe God. You still have to uh, pass this test. Passing a test is not a given, but the Holy Spirit believes that you can do it. Otherwise, he would have led you another way until you were ready. All right, point number two is that God knows how to test us. Now, when we read the Bible, we read lots of stories of people whose faith was tested. And even though they, they were all asked the same question, the tests themselves looked very different. So let's just look at a few examples. Abraham, he's told he will have an heir, a son. And he waited 25 years to see that child be born. I mean, he and his wife, they weren't even able to have children anymore. But Abraham still had to ask, answer that question, did God say? Uh, David. David must have been so excited when the prophet Samuel uh, anointed him the next king of Israel. But what happened right after this really exciting moment? Nothing. David went back to tending sheep. And it was many difficult years before David saw that promise become a reality in his life. How about Noah? Noah went out every day and worked on building an ark in a time when many scholars believed there was no such thing as rain. Can you imagine? And every day he got up and strapped on that tool belt and went out there and wore every swing of that hammer. Noah proved that his beliefs met the standard of that promise that there would be a flood in the earth. Daniel, his test was played out in a den of lions. His three friends were thrown into a fiery furnace. All of these are tests. They all look different, but they all ask the same question. Has God said? And if he said, will you do what he said? Will you go where he says to go? Will you do what he says to do? Even when you don't understand. See, even when you're told to be here, and it makes a lot more sense to you to be there, Even when it feels like time is just passing you by and you're wasting your life and God's got you on the shelf. Do you know even when you can see your destination, you know what it is and you think, you know, there's a lot shorter way to get to where I wanna go than this. Will you trust the Lord when everything in you screams, this is crazy, just do it your own way. Now, I think that when we're facing tests, it helps to know that there are benefits to being tested, so let's look at a few of these. The first one is that we learn what we're made of. Do you know, when you put faith in God, in your circumstances, you invite him and his power into those circumstances, and suddenly your little mustard seed sized faith is moving mountains that you thought would be there forever. You can't know that until you step out in faith and attempt to do something that's beyond your own ability by putting faith in God. Ephesians 3.20 says, Now all glory to God, who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. So think about what Paul is saying here. Paul is saying that God is capable of doing more than you are capable of asking for. Does that not blow your mind? Do you know Peter probably never imagined that he could walk on the water until he did? And how did he do it? Jesus is out on the water. Jesus speaks one word to Peter, come. Peter begins to climb out of the boat. Peter's actions in that moment proved that his beliefs of who Jesus was met the standard of that one word, come. Jack Hiles said, a tribulation gives you the opportunity to test a truth that you have always believed. So as believers, we believe some pretty astounding things, like I can do the impossible with God, and maybe I've always believed that, but a test is what lets me prove it. All right, let's talk about the second benefit for trusting or for being tested, and that is that we learn to trust him more. In 2 Corinthians 1, 8 through 10, Paul said, we think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble we went through in the province of Asia. We were crushed and overwhelmed, beyond our ability to endure, and we thought we would never live through it. In fact, we expected to die. But as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves and we learn to rely on God who raises the dead. And he did rescue us from mortal danger, and he will rescue us again, and we have placed our confidence in him, and he will continue to rescue us. All right, so Paul said here that his trials taught him to trust God in all things and not trust himself at all. Now, we talked a little bit about this last week, and Kristen read to us Proverbs 3, 5, which says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. All right, so this verse says we have to trust God, not trust our understanding, which is the same thing that Paul just said he learned in his trials. Now, Paul's understanding at the time that he faced these horrible trials would have been pretty good. I mean, he was a mature believer at this point. He had been through some things. He had received many revelations, and yet these trials he faced, he said they were so bad that they brought him to a new level of trust in the Lord because his understanding going into those trials, though good, wasn't enough. He had to trust only the Lord. See, here's the point I wanna make here. Trust must be placed in the Lord himself not in our understanding of the Lord. And there's a very subtle difference here. But we can think we've got this faith thing figured out. And when we get to that point, we start to kind of put it into a procedure, into a formula. And we start to actually try and predict what we think God is gonna do. And when he's gonna do it. And how he's gonna do it. All right? but. Do you realize that even that is trusting and leaning on our own understanding? It's leaning on our own understanding of how we think God's gonna do some things. And while we can know some truths, we can have understanding about God and his nature. We aren't to lean on our understanding because here's the thing, he might surprise you. (laughs) He might do something in a completely different way than you expected him to. The third benefit of being tested is that we learn what is important. Do you know a student can study for a test and really think they know their stuff, but it's the moment that the paper is put in front of their face, that's when they know what was really important information in the mind of their instructor. And they might have learned a whole bunch of things that they didn't really need to know. Now they know what's important, and, and unlike school, you know God doesn't give us mindless, pointless tests just for the sake of giving them, because this is not about issuing you a grade. So if you see a test going on in your life, take note of the subject matter, because whatever you're being tested on is clearly important in the mind of your instructor, who is your father. Now if you fail a test, God doesn't write you off. In fact, you could say we never really failed tests. We just keep retaking them until we pass them. (laughs) We never flunk out of God's class. He never gives up on us. We're the ones who give up on ourselves. We're the ones who quit. In Philippians 1.6, it says, I am convinced and sure of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will continue until the day of Jesus Christ, right up to the time of his return. Developing that good work, And perfecting and bringing it to full completion in you now sometimes a test reveals something i don't want to know which is that i'm not ready for that destination that god has planned for me and that doesn't mean the destination is taken away it just means i've got some growing up and some maturing to do before i'm ready for it and while finding out that out is not fun you know what's even less fun getting to the the destination, and then discovering the weakness. So while waiting isn't fun, it is far better than arriving at your promised land prematurely. We have to trust the Lord. Fourth and final that we will talk about today, benefit for testing, is that we are promoted when we pass. In Job 23, verses 8 and 10, Job said, Look, I go forward, but he is not there and backward, but I cannot perceive him. When he works on the left hand, I cannot behold him. When he turns to the right hand, I cannot see him. But he knows the way that I take. And when he has tested me, I shall come forth as gold. Now there is a quote by an unknown author. Maybe you've heard it. It says, when you're going through hard times and you're wondering where God is, just remember, the teacher is always quiet during a test. And it sounds to me like Job is, des- is describing just such a test. And you probably know exactly what he's talking about here. Because Job said, look, I, I can't, no matter where I look, I can't see God. I don't see what he's doing. I don't perceive him. I don't know where he is. But what was his conclusion in this time of silence? It's okay. I can't find God. But he knows where I am. And I am determined that when this test is over, I'm I'm coming out of it like gold. Now, gold is tested in fire. And when gold is heated, the impurities in it rise to the top and they're skimmed away, and it leaves the gold pure. And in the same way, when you and I are tested, the dross in us, the impurities, they rise to the top and they're skimmed away, leaving what is in you, what is good and what is pure. Uh, Psalm 66, 10 says, for you, O God, have tested us. You have refined us as silver is refined. All right, so silver is refined. Now, if something is refined, then by definition, it is purified and separated from extraneous matter. All right, well, what is extraneous matter? It is anything unimportant, inessential, unnecessary, irrelevant, or inappropriate. Yes, I can repeat. Extraneous matter is anything unimportant, inessential, unnecessary, irrelevant, or inappropriate. Now, God takes it upon himself to remove that extraneous matter, but how does he do it? Through testing. All right, and what is the purpose of this refinement? It's promotion. See, God wants to reward you for choosing to believe him instead of believing the lie that your circumstances are telling you like we read about joseph earlier god tested joseph with a purpose the purpose was promotion joseph went from the dungeon to the palace second in command in what at that time was the most powerful country in the world one it took one day that's a promotion but just like joseph when you and i choose to agree with a promise in God's word, we can be sure we're gonna be tested on that agreement. And the test is gonna come through my circumstances. So something is gonna happen that directly contradicts that promise that I have chosen to believe. Let me give you some examples. I choose to believe by Jesus stripes I am healed and then I get sick. I choose to believe God will provide all my needs. And then a bill comes in the mail and I don't have the funds to pay it. And then the enemy begins to talk. See, that promise isn't true. That's not for you. See, are you sure God said that? Did God really say that? And see, now there's a contradiction. I have a choice. Do I believe God? even in the face of that contradiction. And here's the thing we have to understand about contradictions. They are powerless to stop the word of God from coming to pass in my life unless I give them the authority to stop it. See, I can, if I accept that lie is true, I will give power and authority to something that is otherwise powerless in my life and on my journey and i will authorize the lie to overcome the truth in my life so again i hope i'm driving this point home today this is the test here's the promise here's the contradiction choose now if you choose to believe the promise god will reward your choice but for god to reward you for making the right choice there has to be a choice. See, he can't reward you for choosing him if there was never any option to choose anything else. James chapter one, verses two through four, James said, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. So then when I read this, I can see that if you can't count it all joy when you fall into various trials, then you're looking at your situation all wrong. This is an opportunity. It's an opportunity for promotion, and it's an opportunity for you to prove that your beliefs meet the standard that is set by the word of God. A.W. Tozer said, God never uses anyone greatly until he tests them deeply. Who wants to be used greatly? Now if you're in a battle right now, let me just end with some encouragement for you. The Holy Spirit knew it was there and he didn't steer you around it. That means the Holy Spirit believes that you have everything it takes to win this battle, to pass this test. See, he didn't consider you too fearful, too lacking in faith, too unprepared. He knows you have what it takes because, see, he remembers the beginning. He knows you have the promise, the destination. And he knows you have the ability to put trust in that promise. The question is, will you? Will you trust the Lord? Because the answer to that question is the answer to whether or not you will pass this test. Amen? All right, discuss.